0: Welcome to America's Best Baseball Podcast. We take you behind the scenes in and around Major League Baseball with former big league manager Kevin Kennedy and veteran baseball broadcaster Rich Herrera. This is the only weekly podcast hosted by someone like Kennedy who played, coached, and managed in pro ball. So we can take you into the manager's office for a real insider's view of baseball alongside a veteran baseball broadcaster like Herrera who has covered the game from coast to coast. So let's talk some baseball with your hosts. Here they are. The Skipper Kevin Kennedy and Rich Herrera.
1: Welcome, everybody, to America's Best Baseball Podcast. That's the Skipper Kevin Kennedy. I'm Rich Herrera. Thanks so much for joining us. Off last week, Kevin was on the road, back at it again. Kevin, just in time, uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, News coming out. Ken Rosenthal, I believe, was reporting this, that Mike Socha is planning on stepping down at the end of the baseball season. I wanted to get your reaction right off the top of our podcast.
2: Poppycock. <laughs> no, tell me. <laughs> that's what, that's what Mike Sosia responded when he heard that story. He said, poppycock, I haven't heard that term since I was a kid. I don't know where Mike got that, but uh, basically Mike is saying uh, he's disputing that, that uh, article. Ken Rosenthal is, by the way, I worked with Ken at Fox, and Rich, I don't know if you were still there at Fox when yep. Ken joined the national show, but I, I got to tell you, he is pretty much an insider. I mean, he talks to general managers and owners and he gets a lot of good information. If usually, if he puts it out there, it's pretty accurate. Now, the one time Ken really missed was, you remember when Don Mattingly was supposed to be fired, we were on the road in Milwaukee and the right. Dodgers were, were, having a tough time. And Ken Rosenthal said that the Dodgers, uh, when they get back home, uh, Don Mattingly will be fired within whatever 48 hours or something, and that was disputed. And Stan Caston, I remember watching him, had a talk on the field with Ken Rosenthal. That was, uh, I could just watch it from the press box, That's all I could do, but rather animated, uh, rather animated. Yeah, I mean, not not mad, but just said, you know, uh, I mean, where do you get that information type of thing? I could having been through that before, been on the other side of it when broadcasters uh say things and then or you know journalists say things and then you're the manager and you say where did he get that i'm not stepping down i'm not doing that or i'm not firing my pitching coach or you know people talk agents talk sometimes you get information from agents sometimes you get it from uh, just uh, talking to front office people and you get a feeling about it and sometimes you you know the bad, bad part about Journalism, I think, is that sometimes guys want to be first rather than getting it right now, I'm not saying Ken's doing that because I think he's right most of the time, but when Mike Socia disputes it rather heavily, um to me that that speaks volumes because Mike could have just said, you know we'll address that after the season, but he didn't he really you know disputed it in his own way by saying the word poppycock so uh but here here's the here's the reality of it. Mike Socia's on his nineteenth year, Billy Upper came from the Yankees. He wasn't a Mike Sosha hired. Mike it was a, is finishing up a 10-year, $50 million contract. And um, they haven't won anything since 2002. Yeah, they've been in the playoffs a couple of times, but not really, especially in the Mike Trout era. And, you know, he also hired a lot of guys from the Yankees that he knew well, Eric Chavez being one, Josh Paul being another, making him the bench coach to Mike Sosha. So he's brought over some Yankee people, as all new GMs do. They bring people that they've worked with in the past. You want to surround yourself
1: with people that you know.
2: And trust. Yes. Exactly.
1: So, and, and, and here, we'll so lem, let, me, let me throw the two things out. And we've mentioned this before, but I just want to, this is a perfect spot to throw these out. Yeah. In, and this goes for politics as well. Nobody ever sure gives you information for the sake of giving you information because we're friends. I'm going to give you information. I'm going to leak to advance my own self-interest. That's
2: right. so You're so right.
1: And you and I both know this because we know the same agents. We know the same general managers. There has been a time where someone will drop a dime uh, to myself and say, hey, uh, you know, if you want to talk about this on the radio— and they're trying to advance an agenda that I want to get this guy fired or I want to hire this guy or more than more often for me it's uh, an agent saying hey we're talking to this person or this, this we're in play over here trying to create leverage to get their point of view across so a lot of times it'll be an agent uh dropping a dime saying hey we're talking to the Yankees they might not be talking to the Yankees, but it'll make the Red Sox jump and spend a little bit of extra money to keep them away from the from the from the from the, Yan- from the Yankees. And it goes right. back and forth. Uh, it might have been somebody in the front office saying, "Hey, listen, you know what? We're going a different direction. Sosha's old school. Sosha's uh, Gene Autry's guy. This is uh, Epler coming over, and now we have all these Yankees over here. We got JP Josh Paul, uh, who was who was an angel. In fact, he was the angel. If you remember, Skip." That the ball got away from him with a j Presinsky, where he advanced to first, so I remember so Josh has a little bit of a history uh Xavi, uh went to the a's and then finished up with the Yankees, so he's got a little bit of history there interesting he's another one that's being bantied about while while Sosha's sitting in his office going poppycock never managed before. they also have Brad Osmus as part of their organization so the it's interesting that there's already three names that are being thrown out, and Mike is not cleaning out his stuff. So, you know, is it somebody's leaking a little something, trying to put some pressure on Mike, letting him know, well, maybe it's time for you to step aside and see whether Mike really has any fire in his belly and wants to do it again. It's going to be an interesting dance the rest of the season.
2: I think there's a lot of truth to what you said, absolutely. Uh, I, I could tell you a little sidebar story just relating to that. Remember when Bryce Harper was was named – being matched up with the Dodgers, and the Dodgers were in serious talks for Bryce Harper just two weeks ago. Remember right, that? Right, uh, I know for a fact, and I'm not going to say how I know, I just know for a fact, 100%. His name was never brought up, never brought up in conversations about Bryce Harper. Never. Not once. So I don't know who put that out there, but it was not put out there by... Uh, Bryce's people, and it wasn't put out there by the Dodgers, so I don't know how that got out there, but uh, they were never interested in Bryce Harper, and, and more than that, there was never a conversation, so um, I, I, I don't even remember the writer that put it out there that said they were in serious conversations, but uh, that was a falsehood, so there's a lot of falsehoods out there. Now, getting back to the Mike Socia thing, it's a little easier when the guy's on the last year of his deal, and you got new people in there, as we've already mentioned. Because right, you you're named- going to
1: automatically assume that. If I'm a general manager, I want so, my guy.
2: Right, Of course, absolutely. You know, When Andrew Friedman took over the Dodgers, it was a matter of time. He was going to bring his own guy in. You knew that. Don right? Mattingly had one year left. They had a mutual agreement. Don knew he had a job in Miami because uh, Jeffrey Laurie, the former or- owner of the Marlins, loved Don Mattingly as a player. Loved Yankees. Yankees, he, wanted Yankees his, yeah. he wanted to collect yeah. as many Yankees as he could. And the article came out in, I think it was August of that year that Don left, that he had a job in Miami waiting for him. Well, that was absolutely true the writer that put that out from Miami. He, he absolutely knew it, and so did Don Mattingly. And so that's why there was a mutual separation, um, and, Don, and Don left the Dodgers. So that's not it's pretty normal. It's a pretty easy guess, to be honest with you, to say, well, socialism uh, wants to step down. But to put words in Mike's mouth, I think that's where Mike was uh, responding to more than anything else, to say he's going to step down, he wants to step down. No, his contract is up, so are they not going to renew him? Are they not going to negotiate something else? Are they going to try to keep him in the organization? Does Mike want to manage again? Those are the questions that have to be answered, and I can tell you this. Mike Socia wants to manage. Okay,
1: upside-downside of keeping Mike Socia with the Halos?
2: I don't think there's any downside. I I think, Mike, I watch, you know, because I'm not working every game – with the Dodgers. So I watch everybody. I watch all the teams around baseball because of our show for mm-hmm. to, for, for our show here on the podcast. And I also, also do it because I'm doing a national po- uh, satellite show on, on Saturday nights. And so I need to follow everybody, not just uh, read, read news articles and pretend like, Oh yeah, I saw that picture when I've never seen him before. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and we know other guys do that sometimes. We know a lot of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I, I just know that I know, I know Mike well, and I've known him for a long time, like a lot of us that were with the Dodgers when Mike was a player. And I, I can tell you that he wants to manage. You know, so at I, one that's point, all
1: I you. At one point, Soch was considered the best manager in the game. We're talking about 2002 as a World Series and all those um, things that he did to really, let's be honest, the Halos had been a hodgepodge of different ideas and going in different directions. And every three years, it seemed like they had a new plan. When Soch came in, we got to think about this, Kevin. When Soch came back, uh, was in 1998, so it's 20 years. 1998, 1997, uh, the Angels were kind of hapless. They they really they had good players, they had a nice stadium, Disney had taken over, um, but there really really wasn't much to the Halos as far as a winning tradition or anything going in the right direction. Soch came in. Changed the culture, changed the direction of the franchise. A lot of the Angels uh, folks didn't like the fact that he brought in so many Dodgers with him, but he took that magic that he got from working for the O'Malley's for all those years, and he, he installed that uh, 30 miles south in Anaheim, and they've been a better franchise because of Mike Socia.
2: I absolutely agree, and they've won their only world Championship because of Mike Socia and obviously the players that were drafted and signed by the scouts with the angels, they did a good job because remember they've had guys like Tim Salmon and, and Darren Erstad and Troy Gloss. These are all guys that were drafted by the angels developed by the angels. And I could name, you know, six or eight more guys, but we know what that world series team was about. Um, And, and Mike, I can remember the day Mike was interviewing for the job because I was covering for Fox, the winter meetings and they were at the Ritz Carlton in Laguna. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that beautiful hotel uh, that's right on the water there, one of the be- most beautiful sunsets in uh, in the United States. And my, it's a huge hotel. And Mike was rushing around and happened to run into me because I was in the lobby doing interviews. And he said, Kevin, where is such and such a uh, you know, room? And I said, Mike, I, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> to be honest with you, it's a big hotel. I've never been here before. But I said, take it easy. And he asked me just a question. I said, he goes, any advice for me? Because yeah, Bill Stoneman was the one that remembered Bill was the general manager. I right, had right. work, worked with Bill in Montreal in 1992. Bill was a great guy. Former Expo, actually pitched for the Angels years ago as well. And my Bill's still in the organization, but he doesn't have uh, you know he's not doesn't have the power like he once did of, of signing you know managers and players. But he's still in the organization uh, as an advisor. And I say, you're going to love Bill Stoneman. He's going to love you, Mike, because uh, all you got to do is uh, he's a baseball man. He was a former pitcher and a good one. And you guys are going to get along great being a former catcher. He has a lot of respect for uh, for guys like yourself. So you're going to have no problem. I said, just be yourself. That's the only advice I could give him. Don't try to you know, give answers that you think he wants to hear. That's not what Bill Stoneman was about. Bill's very mild manner, speaks softly. Um, great guy, but a very sharp guy, because with the Expos, he was not only the president of the ball club. I mean, he was running the financial side of it. Uh, he wasn't even the GM there with the, with the Expos before he came to Anaheim. So that's how far back that goes, Rich. And, right. and so, you know, but remember back in 95, the Angels blew a nine or 10 or 11 game lead. Uh, and Lou Pinella ended up his ball club ended up taking over and winning it that, that very last day. If you remember, I I remember
1: exactly where I was that day. I was down in San Diego at trophy sports bar doing a show and I couldn't believe the Halos lost.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and I know with Boston, we were, we were part of that because we beat them, I think seven in a row, something like that. And that, in that time in August and September. And, um, they went from being in first place up by 10 or 11 to blowing it at the end. And, at the end of the day, you know Lou Pinella, because of that, ended up winning the uh, Manager of the Year award over both Mike Hargrove, whose team won 100 games that year, and uh, and, and me. Uh, my team won the division going away. We had the top two records in the league, and Pinella's team won it. And and not not to say he didn't deserve it, but uh, they they just played great ball the final six weeks, and the Angels didn't. So the Angels had some talent, but. But um, they never draft put it all together earlier. the way they yeah, did with Yeah, they never put it together, no. And, you know, they had uh, Marcel Latchman was the manager who was a pitching coach at that time, and, and yeah. not that Marcel wasn't capable of managing, but you could tell, I mean, you could beat him on strategy and things like that. Mike Sochi, you were not going to beat on strategy. No, Really, it, really it, smart guy behind the play. He was managing when he was playing with the Dodgers. We say that about all catchers, Rich. Well, that's just because you're catcher biased. But well, a little bit. But <laughs> only if I only if I really know a guy. And right. man, Mike was so sharp. Mike was so smart. No,
1: absolutely. Uh, I, it I was interviewed obvious. him. I, I interviewed him the day he got the job, and <laughs> I Did interrupted you? his sandwich. He goes, "Hey, do you mind if I eat my sandwich while we're talking?" I'm like, "No, go ahead, skip. I like it." Um, <laughs> so again, uh, Soch, we'll see what happens when we play that out. So you brought up the Seattle Mariners and Lou Pinello's ball club. Uh, you know they set the record for the most wins. Uh, 116 wins one season, right? Right. Yeah. You know the Boston Red Sox are on pace right now to win 113 games. They have a shot at eclipsing that record that I thought I'm not sure if we'll ever see anybody get to. It's not one like Vandermeer pitching back to back no hitters. But you got to be a whale of a ball club to win 113 games, and that's what they're on pace on. You never know. They could make a run at Lou Pinello's mark of 116.
2: And, and isn't it amazing that as well as the Red Sox are playing, they're not on pace to have 116 wins yet? That's how well the, that the Seattle Mariners played in that particular year. I think it was 2003, maybe? I think so. And they— they got knocked out in the first round by the Yankees, if I'm not mistaken. The Yankees they went were. on to play play the Marlins, and the Marlins ended up winning the World Series that year. Yeah, uh, that was an incredible team, what, what Lou Pinella had that year. And every time he looked up, I mean, it, they were winning every day. Basically, what, what we're saying is that the Red Sox right now are playing 700 ball, which is really hard to do, to win 7 out of 10 in the big leagues for 162 games. I've always said if you play 600 ball, you're going to win a division. Yeah. You don't have to play 600 ball, but if you play 600 ball, you're going to win a division. I mean, 99 times out of 100, you're going to win a division. But um, this club is just, I mean, what they did to the Yankees this past week oh, is incredible. And that final win, yeah. that final comeback with Chapman on the mound and a 4-1 to lead the Yankees had, that was incredible. What I does mean, that it do it to the Yankees' really psyche? It, it devastates you for the division because now they know that was an eight-game swing. When you're talking about playing the Red Sox and you've got to pick up and you're five games out and they push you back to eight or nine, I mean, that was an eight-game swing when you're playing the division leader like that. And I think now the reality is that they know unless Boston has a complete injury collapse, I don't think they're going to collapse as far as talent. But I think injuries are the only thing that can stop them from winning this division. I, don't, I just don't see anybody, you know, playing well enough to, to beat them. And the Yankees would be the closest one to do that. And I don't think now the Yankees can go off, especially with Aaron Judge out. I, I don't think they can go off and play 850 ball the rest of the year for the final 50 games or so. That's almost impossible to do. And I think they know that. So now you're looking at Yankees, you know, fighting to be a wild card team because there's other teams coming right now. I mean, Oakland being one of them. Seattle's still in it, of course. The American League, the Astros are still fighting for the division because they have so many injuries. They have six key injuries, and they, it's not a gimme that they're going to win that division over there. So um, it, it's it's really uh, it's going to be tight. But I think I just don't see Boston. I mean, Boston has opened it up. They did what they had to do, and. I just don't see the Yankees now playing well enough to beat them uh, for the first place. So they're going to be a wild-card team. I mean, it was night after night after night of this.
0: And Holder gets his side, the Yankee right-handers pitch, swung on in a bouncer toward the right center field area, that's throw! Here comes Renda! He scores! And Andrew Benintendi sends us
1: home! A walk-off winner tonight at Fenway, and the Red Sox are nine and a half up on the Yankees. They come all the way back with three in the ninth and the game-winner in the tenth, and the Red Sox win it five to four. Boy, how do you like this team? They never quit. Highlight courtesy of the Boston Red Sox radio network. I mean, skip that. That is something right there. And again, I also want to go through that you've got a rookie manager in Cora, you have Noel Ellsbury, who's going to be out uh, now six months with that hip surgery uh, that he had this week, and David Price not pitching as well as the Red Sox want. So it's not like the Red Sox have had a perfect season. They've had injuries. They've had setbacks. They've had challenges. And they're still rolling.
2: They've got so much depth. I mean, that's really what it's about. The good teams uh, that are able to maintain you know, their divisions um, – when they have injuries, that tells you how much depth they have in the minor leagues, and that's what the Red Sox have, whether they've traded from the outside or, or drafted and signed well, things like that. I've said this before, but I think Ben Attendee is going to win a batting title or two before his career is over. I think he's that good of a hitter because he uses the field. He can hit a fastball. I mean, he can turn around a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. He can pull the ball. Uh, he's got speed. He's a left-handed hitter, which helps. I just think he's going to be a batting champ here in the next couple of years. I think you're going to see his name right at the top of the of leading the league and hitting. And then J.D. Martinez obviously is the best offseason signing that anyone could possibly uh, have had. And I said this back in uh, March when they signed him. The reason I picked uh, in my preseason picks that we all have to do on the shows we do, the reason I picked the Red Sox to edge out the Yankees, and I didn't mean blow them out, I just meant edge them out. Uh, was because of J.D. Martinez. I thought that was the difference maker, and I mean, I think anybody could probably say that, but I, I truly did on satellite radio on Sirius XM. That was my my preseason picks, and, and I know you do those picks as well. Yeah, uh, J.D. And, Martinez uh,
1: is a difference maker to me. He was a difference maker in Arizona. He's a difference maker in Boston,
2: big time, big time, a- absolutely. So, um, you know, people talk about Trout being the MVP, and, and I, I just think this year you got Mookie Betts. You got two guys on one club for a team that's playing, you know, 700 ball. I think winning counts for something for MVP. I think you have to go to either J.D. Martinez or Mookie Betts or even uh, co-MVPs like it was back in 1978 with Willie Stargell and Keith Hernandez. I mean, that's a possibility this year. That's how good both these guys are. And then the depth behind that, as as we talked about, Rich, is just pretty incredible. Let's keep
1: this in the American League because you talked about it with the New York Yankees. They're, they're not going to catch the Boston Red Sox. You can put that, you can take that to the bank right now, uh, which means they're going to be battling with the wild card. You would think, all right, New York Yankees second best record in the American League, pretty good ball club. I know they're missing some players, but my gosh, if I'm the New York Yankees, I'm going to start looking over my shoulder. Because of this ball club.
0: Here comes the 2-2. Breaking ball lifted. Down the left field line. Heading toward the wall.
1: Insurance from Matt Chapman. He sends it out. And the A's are up now 4 to nothing. His 15th long ball of the year as he burns Daniel Stumpf. He's got 38 RBIs. Laureano is home. And the A's get a cushion in the 7th. Highlight courtesy of the Oakland Athletics Radio Network. My former employee, Skip. Are you believing in the A's? We've talked about them. We've kind of mentioned them here and there. But, Skip, this is a fun team to watch.
2: It is, and I was really really anxious to watch last night's game because the last time the Dodgers saw the A's was back, I believe, in April. They came into town, and they split a two-game series with the Dodgers. They lost the first one, and then they scored 16 runs in the second game. So they split them. Split with them in LA. And then last night, Rich Hill's curveball, they couldn't touch it. And they struck out, uh, I think, at least a dozen times. Maybe it was a little bit more than that last night. And Chris Davis caught up with a fastball and made it close three to two at the time. They ended up losing four to two. I got to tell you, I was a little disappointed. I thought I would see a better, better A's at bats than that. I saw the same type of at bats that I see with all these teams. And that's swing for the fences, swing hard in case you hit it. And if not, I'm going to take a strikeout. I didn't see very good two-strike approaches except Chris Davis, Right. to be honest with you. So I was a little surprised. You know, part of that was Rich Hill, but remember, he didn't go nine innings. He was taken out of the game in the sixth inning. He walked uh, the first two guys in one of those innings, and then he got an easy double play ball. Uh, The number eight hitter uh, for the A's with the leadoff double by Piscotti in the, I think it was the eighth inning. No attempt at all to get the runner over or get a base hit to the right side. Three big swings off of Scott Alexander, three, three change up sinkers in the dirt, weren't even close, and strike three. I, I just didn't get it. And I was even listening to the A's broadcast, Ray Fossey, especially saying, you know, there was no attempt to get the man over. You know, he's old school, so he's, he talks about situational hitting, how big that would have been. And then the next batter was Lucroy, and Lucroy, if the runners at third and infield back with a four-to-two lead, um, the Dodgers, I mean, would have played back. They wouldn't have played up the take the you know run away. They're not going to have a big inning against them in the bottom of the eighth. They would have given up the run, and Lucroy hit a ground ball to the right side, and that would have scored their their third run. That would have made it you know four to three, going into the ninth inning it's against sabermetrics.
1: Remember. 27 outs are the most precious item you have at baseball. You never give any of those up at a sacrifice. I don't know. I'm just thinking. Well, uh,
2: But I'm not saying bunt. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying try to go to the right side with the base Yeah, you've, got,
1: you've got to have a well, – more than anything else, uh, the sacrifice is one thing. you got to have a productive out.
2: you got to have a productive out. Make an attempt to go the other way yeah. because you got to, You got to get that man to third base. Now, you could take one shot early in the count. But when you're down 0-1 and then it's 0-2, you've got to shorten up and put it in play and do the two-strike best you approach.
1: Can. Put it in play, productive out. Come on and, now!
2: And, and and I didn't see any two-strike approaches last night, and that surprised me. So tonight's game, I'm, I mean, it's against Kershaw. This will um, be a good uh, test. Mike Fires, who they just acquired, is pitching for the uh, Oakland A's, and this is going to be interesting. You know, I want to see if they're going to have a true strike approach against Kershaw because if you don't, <laughs> you're done. Uh, you're, you're done. Yeah, you're by done. By so the we'll way, see.
1: this is fun. If you're the if you're the the green collar rooted in Oakland A's, nobody's giving you a chance, nobody's believing in you. It is so much fun to be in that clubhouse, to be around that ball club, to be in that ballpark. If you're an Oakland A's fan and you're not getting any respect, and honestly, you're probably pinching yourself, like, are we really this good? Are we really this good? There comes that point where Uh, And I'm not sure the Oakland A's are there. They believe in themselves, but is it really sunk in or are they just having fun? Because they seem loose and they don't seem like they're under the pressure.
2: No, no, but I saw some at bats that showed pressure to me last night. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, granted, that's that's something we have to watch. Yeah, they're not going to see them anymore unless they both go to the World Series. We know that. But I just expected a little bit more offensively from the adjustments from the at bats from what I saw back in April. And I did see the two-strike home run, obviously, by Chris Davis. But I didn't see hitters sitting on a curveball. You know, Rich Hill throws the curveball 50% of the time. And sometimes I saw guys sitting on the curveball with two strikes and then taking a strike three fastball down the middle. It's tough to guess with two strikes, Rich, when you're down one and two or 0 and 2 in the count. So I just saw a lot of hitters in between on the Rich Hill curveball. And, yeah, Rich has a great curveball. But he doesn't throw ninety eight; he throws eighty nine to ninety. Right. So you make and, that
1: you make that little adjustment. Maybe the Oakland A's need a themed yeah. road trip where they all dress up.
2: Oh, I don't know about that. Just I know to say Doing that, <laughs> I know. Uh, I mean, no, no, I'm happy for them. They are playing well. Yeah. Chris Davis did make it close late in the game. He hit that two run home run in the sixth inning, and all of a sudden you got a ball game. Because it's not, it's not like the Dodgers blew him away. In fact, Dave Roberts put on. Two safety squeezes, one worked, and one. A lot of a lot of cr- critics out there nationally, even MLB Network people. I heard Joe Girardi say, "What is he bunting Austin Barnes for with first and third, and nobody out?" Well, there there Later is a the point.
1: Bulking. There is a point. So nineteen, let's see nineteen ninety seven. Uh, I was doing. I was on the radio in San Francisco with the Giants and the Giants went from worst to first. Nobody believed. And and there is that little bit of skepticism that everybody has that seeps into that clubhouse of are we for real? Uh, 2008, Skip. Uh, with with the Rays, same thing. You believe in yourself, and then you hear the national guys that don't believe in you because they don't see you every day. Like That's why I like talking baseball with you, because we watch games every day. So we're not just kind of reading the box score and trying to make some kind of uh, decision off what the numbers are telling us, but you actually use the eye test. So I still want to see uh, the Oakland A's, and I, and, and I don't want to get discouraged by one game that you watch because over the course of the season, they've really started ramping up, and I still think they're on that upswing, but when you're sitting there or you're a fan of that team and you're sitting in that ballpark and you have that one loss, you wonder if, oh my gosh, is everybody who doesn't believe in us right, and it it can weigh on you a little bit
2: Yeah, I think so, but I think they've you know when you're this deep into the season, you've got less than a third of the season left, and you've played had the best record in baseball for the past 30 games or so. Which is what the A's have done. I, I think you've got to believe. I think they do believe. Yeah. I mean, the game game was close. It's not like the Dodgers blew them out. I just thought I would see better two-strike approaches with some of the guys that I saw back in April versus what I saw last night. That's this is song. why That's...
1: everybody should listen to our podcast. We would give you yeah. this advice. It's free.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it is. And the reason I say that is because if you go to the playoffs, you're going to have to have a better, better two-strike
1: approach. Two-strike strike approach. Go look at com and uh, Mike Sweeney will explain how he wished he would have redone his two-strike approach to his entire career and he would have had a higher batting average. All right, let's move on because we're talking about the Yankees looking over their shoulder at the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's better look over their shoulder because here comes the Seattle Mariners. They're going to get Cano back, although there is questions about whether they want to keep King Felix in the rotation. Give me your thoughts on the M's.
2: Uh, but I think they've got. First of all, their closer Diaz is, might lead the league in in saves before it's all said and done. The guy throws the ball ninety nine to a hundred with a slider that's in the nineties, low nineties. Um, he's lights out. Uh, they've got a good good lineup. Haniger had been very good for them, hitting third, and then recently went into a mini slump. But I think he's going to be back now. Um, Kyle Seeger, Corey's brother, is not having as good a year as he normally does, but he's a dangerous guy, thirty home run plus guy. Uh, year, year in and year out, they've got pretty good defense. Segura, Gene Segura, has been fabulous this year. Um, Robbie Cano, of course, is coming back, although he can't play in the playoffs. Should the Should the uh, so what do you do with Mar- Mariners get there? He's going to play first base, is what I read yesterday. Yeah, what I heard. I, that's a tough one. You know, I don't. I don't know how you. I mean, you apologize to your teammates, but I remember what the uh, Giants did, and I had a lot of respect for what the Giants did with Melky Cabrera a few years ago when, when him the home. Giants they sent him home. I and mean, he came back after his suspension, and they said, hey, we don't need you. We're in first place without you, and uh, we, we don't need you. And I think, was that the last world championship they had? It
1: was. It was, because remember they had everybody in the, in the bleachers dressed up like milkmen, and he was the biggest thing. And Boach and, and Sabes just said, we don't want to disrupt the chemistry that we have. And I'm wondering why and how you work around Cano Without disrupting your chemistry, taking it bats away from people and being ready for the playoffs,
2: if you make it. I I think the difference with Cano is he's got a long-term contract and he's going to be there. Right, and Melky
1: was gone the next year from San Francisco. Right,
2: and so the Giants signed guys like Pat Burrell and and, – Bobby Evans and Brian Sabian did things that they usually did. They they pick up guys at the deadline that other people <laughs> just don't so want, and they, yeah, and they were really good at that. And you know, Marco Scudero type guys, and all of a sudden these guys are hitting oh, three thirty for them. Name,
1: you're pulling names that I'm like I even forgot that they played on those championship yeah, teams. Yeah,
2: well, Scudero was a two forty hitter with uh, what Colorado, maybe a two, maybe higher than that, but all of a sudden he turns out to be a three thirty hitter with the Giants. So. Right. They were they were very good at that, and uh, and right now, I, I mean, the team that's good at that is is the Dodgers with the pitching. I mean, yeah. have you ever heard of, have you really heard of Dylan Floro before this year?
1: Hey, I'm still shaking my head at Max Muncy.
2: Max Muncy been unbelievable. Now yeah. he's been pitched a lot tougher lately. He's seen a lot of breaking balls, and he's been getting out of his zone. But listen, the first half that he had, he helped put the Dodgers back in first place, which is where they are right now by half a game over Arizona. So true. Yeah, they, they they are very good at evaluating those types of guys and, and fitting them in. And it's really about matching them up, you know. Now, Muncie, you, we found out, is actually hit better against lefties than righties this year. But but overall, you know, they had him last year. They had him in AAA. The A's released him. The A's released him, believe it or not. And the A's are one of the best teams in baseball right now. And they released this guy. Yeah. Imagine if they had Max Muncie doing what he's doing now. but Crazy, But uh, anyway, you know, Dodgers are really good at at picking guys off the scrap heap and and fitting them into a situation with pitchers especially and and matching them up well. That's what Dave Roberts and Rick Honeycutt do. Rick Honeycutt's very good at technique also, not just – Hey, you need to throw more sliders, or you no, need to throw more No, it's for cleaning up delivery. Like, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's really good at at delivery cleanup. Absolutely right.
1: Darren Ballsley in San Diego has that same reputation that he's able to really take a reclamation project and clean up your mechanics, just the way Jim Hickey with the Cubs is able to take guys that maybe you're a little. I don't want. Uh, I'm going to make sure I say the right word. Uh, that that mentally. Uh, Need some help uh, with the game, with their confidence. And he's able, to, he's really good at working with guys uh, between the years and getting them back uh, their confidence so they can succeed. So there's lots of different coaches around. But like you said, I can't argue with what Honey's done or what the Dodgers have done. All right. I want to finish up the podcast today, Kevin. Ask you this question Bartolo Colon, the ageless wonder, just passed Dennis Martinez. He's 45 years old. How about this, Bartolo Colon? Again, deliberate and getting into the set, and here's the 2-2 pinch. Swinging a ball, hit right back into Bartolo's glove. He stumbles but stays upright on the hill. The ball stays in his glove. He gives a little smile, turns and throws the ball behind his back to Elvis Andrews, and it's all smiles as the Rangers head off the field here in the top of the seventh inning for the Mariners. No runs, a hit, an error, and one left. Seventh inning stretch time in Arlington. Rangers lead the Mariners 11 4. Bartolo Colon. Uh, Skip, explain to me Bartolo Colon now at 246 wins.
2: You know why I like the guy? is because he has passion for the game and he's resurrected his career. When I first time I ever saw him uh, was with the Cleveland Indians and I saw him uh, throw a complete game uh, against the Yankees. And he was into the ninth inning, and he was still throwing 100 miles an hour. And I, wow. I was doing that. I was working that game, and I went, wow, who is this guy? And, yeah, that that's the Bartolo Colon that I remember from from back then. And then, of course, all these years later, now he's throwing all of, what, 85, 86, 87? <laughs> <67. laughs> right, right. But, re- but he's resurrected his career. He's got a very good two-seamer. He's resurrected his
1: career like three or four times.
2: Yeah, and, and it just shows to me that it's not about money for him because he's made all the money that he – could possibly want I'm sure it just shows me he loves the game he has a passion for the game you know some guys and I've heard this recently I and I remember Jermaine Dye who who came off a great year with the White Sox and he was a free agent and nobody offered him a big contract and the teams that did offer him money I believe offered him like a million he goes I'm not playing for a million and he quit we never heard from him again Um, Uh, Andre Andre Ethier just retired recently 12 years
1: Oh, by the way, the highlight was courtesy of the Rangers Radio Network. I don't want to forget that. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 about what he wants to do, how he wants to do it. So let me ask you this, Kevin: If he passes El Presidente, right, Dennis Martinez, who who you saw? Did you have him in Montreal? I caught him. I caught him. Okay, so you had him. Well,
2: I was with him in Montreal as a coach. Okay, when he was our ace, but I also was with him uh, in Baltimore.
1: Wait a minute, you caught him in Baltimore? Yeah, I caught caught him. You caught Oral Hershiser.
2: we I caught oral. We should just do a show on
1: people you've caught.
2: Yeah, I caught I caught Dennis, I caught Jim Palmer, I caught uh, Mike Flanagan and and Scotty McGregor and Dennis Martinez and all those guys in in spring training with Baltimore, and then I caught Oral, of course, in Double A AA, or Triple A in 1982. And sometimes they just play. don't
1: appreciate. Sometimes they just don't appreciate you enough.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think all that says is that I'm getting older and I've been around. <laughs> I guess you know. All right. But, uh, so if he yeah.
1: passes El Presidente as the winningest all-time Latin pitcher, should we? Think About Bartolo Colon and maybe one day residing in Cooperstown,
2: you know, I, that's a great question, Rich. I, I don't think he'd be a guy that gets in by the writers, but who knows down the road, and maybe it's going to be long after I'm gone, who knows that that um, a veterans committee would vote him in. I don't know, it's, it's hard. A, just hard something
1: to, to think about, just something
2: to it, think is, about. it is something to think about. Longevity is something to think about. I mean, people say that Don Sutton. A lot of people, not me, but a lot of people say, "Well, Don Sutton wasn't a Hall of Fame pitcher, but he's only there because of longevity. He didn't go on the DL, and he won 300 games." Well, there's something to be said by by being healthy too, yeah. You know, and and making and pitching a long time and making your 33, 34 starts every year. There's a lot. I'd to love be said to see that. I'd love to see Bartolo Colon pitch until he's 50. I think he will. I think as long as he's healthy, I think he will, and I think he'll still be effective enough to, to help a team. Wow. All right. That's
1: going to do it for this podcast. We appreciate everybody for joining us. Don't forget you can find Kevin Kennedy on Twitter, Kevin Kennedy MLB. I'm RBI Rich on Twitter. We'll have another podcast for you this week. Skip, we'll talk to you uh, next go around. You got it, Rich. I look forward to it. All right. This is America's Best
0: Baseball Podcast. Thanks for joining us for America's Best Baseball Podcast. Our podcast was produced by Braden Suppernant. Find us on Facebook at America's Best Baseball Podcast. You can find Kevin at Kevin Kennedy MLB on Twitter, and you can find Rich on Twitter at RBI Rich. Okay. Picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.